Today's episode of the OKC82 podcast is brought to you by no one, but uh, I am joined by Chisholm Holland, so that's just as good as uh, of a sponsor. Um, we, we're we going to do these off-season podcasts because obviously the, the podcast is called OKC82. Well, the Thunder are done playing their 82 uh, for, uh, for reasons that we all know, but... Um, we're still going to pump out podcast content for everybody. Uh, we had really great numbers and um, encouraging numbers from subscribers all season. So I just feel the need to uh, reward you guys with more and more content. So we're going to have plenty of off season stuff coming your way uh, today. Uh, I, like I said, I was joined by Chisholm Holland from the franchise, a producer of the franchise drive from uh, what was it? Six to eight, six to eight o'clock every Monday through Friday. So tune into that. Um, if you like Chisholm, um, yeah, so we're going to be doing these, uh, off season shows from his really, really cool studio in his house. Um, we're going to try and add the visual aspect of the podcast for, uh, um, I don't know, just advertising clip purposes on Twitter and social media to p- encourage new followers, um, or just to basically add, you know, just extra, just an extra viewpoint for you guys. Cause I know everybody loves their NBA content. Everybody loves the thunder content. So, I really look forward to what we can do with this uh, studio. It was really fun. Uh, Chisholm did a great job with it. Um, Chisholm was awesome today. Um, today we basically just talked about uh, Sam Presti's exit interview, some of the things he said about Russell Westbrook, about Dennis Schroeder. Uh, talked about Wes Matthews twice, who doesn't play for the Thunder. Talked about Alex Sabrinas, who doesn't play for the Thunder anymore. So it was interesting, an interesting name-dropping exit interview. And because we didn't do one after the players' exit interviews on Thursday, we mentioned we talked about a little bit about that. Chisholm and I were both there, so uh, we brought that perspective for you guys. But um, other than that, um, we will. I don't know if we're gonna na- rename the show for the off season. It'll still be under OKC82. So if you're subscribed to it, it's there. You'll see it pop up in your timeline or whatever. Um, we'll put it out on all of our social media. So please. <laughs> as the music starts to drop. (laughs) Um, So please subscribe, um, retweet, like, all that stuff helps us out, and we really appreciate it. Um, But without further ado, uh, let's just get right to it. So um, I guess we'll play that song, so go. Welcome to the OKC82 Podcast, live a brand new location, undisclosed Chisholm Holland's house, Chisholm Holland's office. Uh, we will be doing a lot of stuff from here, but that's neither here nor there. The big reason that you're listening is the Oklahoma City Thunder's season has came to an end. That's right. Thunder are out in five games. Madison and Brady did a great wrap-up of the final game when uh, they lost to a 37-footer from Damian Lillard and Paul George's face. Since then, obviously we've had a lot of speculation about Billy Donovan's future, a lot of speculation about Sam Presti's future, a lot of people complaining about Russell Westbrook and what he brings to a team. Then we had exit interviews, and then this morning me and Brady got the uh, joy of showing up to a Sam Presti end-of-season interview is what they call it. Not an exit interview because he's not leaving. Just an end-of-season interview. Um, and so we've got a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, it's the uh, third consecutive exit interview Sam Presti's done where he's had to do it in April. Yeah, those not, early April ones. Not very fun, but, you know, in his own words, this is not my words, the Thunder got their ass kicked. Yes, that was probably <laughs> the quote of the Presti. I, I was uh, I was looking down at my laptop, and I was trying to transcribe all the big words that Sam was throwing out at us, and 
half the time I'm trying to look up said big words is I'm dumb and I don't understand them. But um, as soon as he said, we got our ass kicked, there's no getting no um, getting around it. I just stopped typing and looked up. I was like, what did you say? <laughs> I was I was. I was pleased. There was a lot of stuff that I wasn't pleased with. If I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of a Thunder fan. Um, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But um, for him to say that from an as the face, as not the face, but as the mastermind behind the organization of everything's OK, we're, we're about sustained success, you know, all those things for him to say that I thought was uh, very telling about how frustrated this organization is for having three first round exits. Yeah. Three first round exits in a row. Obviously Sam talked about Russell Westbrook apparently talked about that before the season started with the team about like, they weren't going to do that again yet. Here we sit. Um, and they are after another first round exit. Uh, but we can go dive into Sam because obviously he's a guy that we get to talk to twice a year, maybe. Uh, so at the very first of the season, at the very, very end, and everything in between, we have no idea what he's thinking or what he's saying, and he doesn't have to answer any questions. And today, to his credit, he did about an hour and 12-ish minutes, Yeah, uh, which I would say was about 18 minutes of an opening statement and then questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, each Sam Presti answer takes about four to four to six minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whoever has to transcribe that thing, yeah, shout out to you. Power to him. <laughs> uh, the thing that <laughs> makes me laugh is every... Because this is my third end of season I think my third end of season uh, interview with Sam Presti where I've sat in and uh, he always says we're good to every single question and then when you get towards the end all right this is the last question the <laughs> PR people always step in and say, well this is the last question people try to jump in with more no 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 that was the last one we can move forward uh, but Sam Presti basically said despite what everybody's saying everyone's frustrated everyone's mad we're gonna run it back Billy Donovan's coming back we expect to have the same core uh, he listed about six or seven guys who are going to be under contract next season who he expects to be here as well. Um, we're basically, we know who we are. We're going to try round two at this. Or I guess in this case, maybe round three. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting the words that he he specifically used. He said he anticipates Billy Donovan to come back. Um, of course, the Thunder uh, picked up the la- the final year of his option um, on his uh, contract back in December. Um, so that, that would be the fifth and final year on his contract that he signed initially back in 2015. Um, he said he anticipates that kind of is open-ended. Like I, I mean, I anticipated the thunder to beat Portland in six and here we are. (laughs) Right. Um, so he can anticipate all he wants. I mean, I I don't know if he's trying to leave the door open for like, we, I haven't got that far yet in terms of Billy Donovan's exact future. So at this moment, or, you know, it could be something as simple as Billy Donovan going up to Sam Presti himself and saying, look, this just isn't working for me. Right. Um, Players aren't responding to my coach. I mean, this is me speculating. Players aren't responding to my coaching for whatever reason. Um, I don't like these results that we've been having. I don't know what I can do differently. So cut me loose. Because right. we've seen this, especially in the NBA, it seems like it happens more so in the NBA than in any other leagues, that when coaches get into the final year of their deal and they're not a Greg Popovich or they're not a Steve Kerr, um, those coaches tend to get let go. Sometimes middle, middle of the season, sometimes prior um, I wouldn't be surprised if that could happen to Billy Donovan, but I think overall I'm expecting Billy Donovan to be the coach day one of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So in that respect, yeah, they are kind of running it back. Yeah. And it's a team that won 49, what, 48 or 49 games? 48, 49 if you got playoffs. Yeah. Wow. Um, one more game, one game more than they did the previous year. Same total, and, if you count the players. Yeah, and then when he mentioned the core, like you said, he mentioned about six names. One of the names he mentioned was Dennis Schroeder, yep. which kind of popped up. Um, 
you know, got my attention and I meant to ask Sam, but I actually tried to ask it like four or five times. And I just, I kept getting asked over like other guys and it's like, Oh, Oh, well. And then I wanted to ask about Russell Westbrook. So I just said, screw it. I don't want to ask about Dennis. Um, but I thought it was interesting that he mentioned Schroeder as a member of that core, because I think a lot of people assumed that Schroeder comes here for one year and then he's the trade asset. And with what Dennis said at his exit interview, when I asked him a question about, so did whatever individual goals you had, do you feel like you accomplished those individual goals? And then he took, took the floor basically to say, I want to thank the Oklahoma city thunder for this opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of people read into that, that he's saying goodbye, like, thank you so much, but I want to go be a starter somewhere else. I'm not a bench guy. Um, so I thought it was interesting that Presty mentioned him as a member of the core, because I mean, honestly, I think Schroeder is a fine player for, for this team. I think he had a really good year. And if he returns, that's a good thing for the Thunder because off the bench, he's a very good asset. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a six starter is something that a lot of people look for. Uh, the thing that stood out for me uh, that about the Billy Donovan thing, and again, both of you, you and I are just speculating of exactly what he meant. But he basically said, on our end, we've decided that we want to roll back with Billy Donovan next year. I need to have a conversation with him. If we have that conversation, you know, that... So basically saying, if something changes, it's likely from his end. Yeah. From Billy Donovan's end. I don't know if that means Billy's going to walk away, or to your point, he's going into the last year of a contract, and Sam Presti's not going to say... With uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you an extension. If Billy's going to say, okay, I'll come back, but I want an extension, and Sam goes, no, 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 no extension. We just want you to come back. <laughs> and Billy's going to go, okay, then I want to walk away. Yeah. Uh, that is the only scenario that makes sense to me of why Billy wouldn't be the coach game one, just based off what Sam said this afternoon, um, is if... For whatever reason, Billy Donovan doesn't want to coach without an extension, uh, doesn't want to go forward uh, with some uncertainty in his professional career, which, to your point, every NBA coach makes that decision. Yeah. Uh, but no, again, Dennis Schroeder, one of those guys people talked about since the end of the season, first one off the bat, uh, off the batch. I mean, he's gone. They're going to ship him off. There's no way they can afford him. All this stuff. And Sam talked about the commitment from ownership and what they've put into this organization and how committed they are to winning and the choices that they've made to hold this roster together. And Dennis Schroeder, rightly or wrongly, seems to be a part of that going forward. So could he be dealt? Would it shock any of us? No. But I am way more optimistic that he would be on the roster day one than I ever would have been at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I've just... I've kind of had the same assumption that everybody else had. Like I said, like I, I didn't expect Schroeder to stay here for the entirety of what he had a two, two year contract with a player option. Correct. With right. the thunder. I didn't even expect him to go past year one just because of all the things that we've kind of talked about. Um, I, I still think that he would be a good addition to this team. I'm not saying that they need to get rid of him. Schroeder, Dennis didn't lose the thunder games. He didn't lose the thunder, this playoff series. He, he really, um, I mean, he's a limited player because of his size. He's a limited player because he's not a three-point shooter. And right. it just kind of digs into this th- the Thunder's overall problem of not having good three-point shooting. But um, overall, I think he's just – I think he's a fine player and brings a lot to the table for for this team. But, you know, having said that, I still thought he's he's their most obvious trade asset for a team that has they, – they have to fix things. Um, I think everybody's already like pissed off now because of the whole, yeah, we're going to run it back. Like you're going to run it back with this team that got embarrassed. There's two ways you can go about that. You can look at it from Portland's perspective. They did the same thing and they had a worse playoff history, recent playoffs history than even the Thunder did. Right. Um, they ran it back and they're a trendy pick to 
play either Golden State or Houston in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I just saw a screenshot of like the ESPN uh, insiders. I, I like a vast majority of them pick Portland over Denver. I would pick Portland over Denver. So um, there is something to be said about just sticking with your guys, having faith in them that they can be inspired by this. And Presti kind of talked about that today, the, the difference between playing emotionally and inspired. Um, maybe the Thunder can play inspired next year and yield better results. But at the same time, there are so many flaws on this team. Just from a mechanical standpoint, There's, they've got some fine shooters that they've developed, but they don't have enough. And Presti talked about it today. Not having a backup plan for Alex Avrinas was on him. And he mentioned, what, Wes Matthews twice today? Twice. Which was odd. Unprompted. It was odd just to hear a GM mention another player on another team. By name. By name. You know, <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, we tried. He's basically saying we tried to add shooters, NBA Twitter, Thunder Twitter. We tried to add shooters. It just didn't work out that way. Um, but because they have so many things that they have to address, and it's not just shooting. There's the backup four. There's possi- possibly the backup five if Nerlens Noel goes, and he didn't really sound like he was willing, like wanting to come back. Neither did Sam. Yeah. Um, in his exit interview, so because they have so many things to do, despite all the good that Dennis Schroeder can bring, and despite Presti mentioning him as a member of the core, I don't know what they can do in terms of adding without subtracting Dennis Schroeder. I, I just... But then again, Presti is that GM that anytime he gets put into a corner, like the Thunder don't have money or they don't have any trade assets, he all of a sudden gets Victor Oladipo. He all of a sudden gets Carmelo Anthony, you know, just out of nowhere. So for an uncertain Shout future, out Paul George. Yeah. Um, for an uncertain future, Sam Presti is one of your better GMs to have in that respect. Yeah. 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 Another thing that stood out is actually a question that you asked him. Um, and I went into the press. Went into the press conference, and classic, that was classic new studio. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, the question I was excited to hear asked, and I'm sure everyone else was too, is Russell Westbrook, his emotion, the way he plays the game, the distraction he was off the floor. You know, and not so many words. Was basically your question: Where does that fit into your culture? Where does that fit into this organization? Yeah, yeah. And if you, I mean, if you want to dive into kind of what you saw from Sam, what his answer was, because that was for me. The most interesting part of the press conference. Yeah, I mean, it's a question that everybody's been wanting to hear, and it's a question that you can't necessarily ask Russell Westbrook because we we know Russell's going to, we know what he's going to say. Um, you can't ask Billy Donovan about that because he's not the head of the organization. This question is only for Sam Presti. Um, before I get into the, his answer, which was, I mean, he danced around the issue. I'll just say that starting off, but um, Sam. Being from San, like being the GM who came over from San Antonio when he got hired by Seattle uh, all those years ago, he's modeled Oklahoma City, you know, and he said it in so many different ways. He wants the Thunder to be like the Spurs. Um, while Greg Popovich can kind of get away with what Russell Westbrook does, you can you can get by that because Popovich is probably the greatest coach in NBA history. Russell Westbrook has yet to win a title. Uh, he has yet to do anything in the playoffs since Kevin Durant has left. And if that's your barometer, then so be it. Um, so I, it's a fair question to ask. You you want to be this this team on a, on a mountaintop, the San Antonio Spurs. Yet the face of your franchise, Russell Westbrook, acts this way and does these things and says these things or doesn't say these things when Barry Trammell asks ask him a question. And I just thought, is, is that acceptable? Is that what you want the face of your franchise to do? 
And Presti, like I said, he kind of danced around the issue, but he did say, like, do we wish that he would handle some things differently? Yes. I don't really know what Presti could say in this situation because you can't throw Russell Westbrook under the bus. He's the superstar who chose for whatever, you know, I, I, I think I know some reasons why Russell chose Oklahoma City um, to stay here. 250 million? <laughs> well, yeah, there may be some of those reasons. Um, but he is the superstar who chose to stay here. Right. Paul George is the same way. Same way. And as the GM of a super small market, if you're going to sit there and throw your guy under the bus, I mean, that's not that doesn't bode well for future like acquisitions of free agents or guys that could possibly come here um, to help the Thunder and possibly in trades that could stay longer past their contract. So I don't really know what Sam could have said. I kind of half liked his answer. I kind of didn't just because at the end of the day, he didn't answer like, is this acceptable? Because he, he chose to think about like the 11 years of greatness on the floor. The fact that he isn't a bad guy off the, um, out, outside of the game of basketball, which I, that's how I started my question. It's like, we know Russ ain't a bad guy, but he does these things. And it, it's so easy to see, like, um, when that became a sideshow, the thunder kind of imploded under the pressure of Russell Westbrook's emotion. Um, I mean, even after that game three, he had 33 points, a triple double and outplayed Damian Lillard. And no one cared because he just next questioned everything. Like, I just don't see how that's that's not something that the Thunder I don't think want moving forward. And you saw it from game four on. Russell kind of answered Barry. He just said, I don't know, man. That's a good question. So he essentially did the same thing by not answering Barry Trammell. Right. But uh Presty pointed that out too. Like he, he did make some changes and it's like did he did, did he, he really did Sam? he really though? Did he really Sam? He answered Barry's question at the exit interview. But, but that was a little bit of a uh, it was a good. It was a good answer. It was a good question from Barry. It was a good answer it, well, by Russell. If that but was a question about anything else, I just color me skeptical. He would have answered it. Yeah, because well, Barry asked him. A lot of people rail on triple doubles. Do you think those actually are relevant? Talk about uh, Russell can't <laughs> ignore that one. He has to defend himself on that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like there, if you there, ask Steph Curry. Some people say threes are a bad thing. <laughs> like Steph has to answer anything positive threes. One, Russell has to answer anything positive about triple doubles. Barry painted him into a corner. One-legged, like thirty footers, um, off of, off a screen or bad threes. Steph, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. No, like, um, there's the there's also the factor that this was in an exit interview where the season's over, and typically Russell's much more, like the competitive competitive juices aren't flowing. Um, his opponent is not like 20 feet away from him in the opposing locker room. He hasn't just come off the floor and played, and we know how he plays basketball. So there is that factor, too, in him answering Barry's question. So, um, again, I just I think it's really apparent if they're we're only going to talk about internal development since Presti apparently wants to run it back. It's really apparent what needs to be improved, and it's just Russell Westbrook's I don't want to say attitude or like just his the way he attacks the game of basketball. You want him to play at that intensity. That's what makes him a great player. If he didn't play at that intensity, maybe he's just another guy because of his shooting limitations. Um, but there is a fine line between playing intense and inspired and playing way too over the edge, reckless. emotional, reckless. And uh, Russell Westbrook and I know no one cares about the media. Like I, I get that. I respect that. Um, but that is a part of it. Russell um, disrespecting um, the media, not answering questions, making it a sideshow of himself plays into whenever he 
aggressively walks or rocks the baby on Damian Lillard. Right. And then Portland plays this way and the Thunder play, according to Russell Westbrook, this way. And we saw how those two uh, philosophies kind of worked out. And I feel that's the main thing. If, if, if Russell can get that in check, I think the Thunder can have, they could add six, seven, eight more wins to their regular season total. They can have a lot better success in, in the postseason because everything is so fine-tuned and it's so slowed down that somebody playing like a reckless train off the tracks, it's not conducive to winning. I think Russell Westbrook, as a superstar, is conducive to winning, but his the way he attacks the game at times, you can just see it. Like the Thunder just fail time and time again when he plays like that. Over and over and over. And I've actually been in your camp a little bit of, well, that's what makes him great. you got to yep. have a little bit of that edge. I don't know if that's true. I think I've changed my mind. I don't know if I think that's a, a staple or a pillar of what makes him. You know what makes him great? He can jump higher than just about every guard in the league. You know what makes him great is he's one of the top five fastest players in the league. You know what makes him great? He has great vision when he's driving down the lane. He can throw it out to a corner and Sam pointed out some Passing to the corner stats that no one's known about. No one cares about Russell Lethal League, so we're going to mention him. Um, and those are all reasons that make him great. He can do all that without being a lunatic and without causing a scene and without flopping. I mean, just the the flop in the Not- corner in Portland, whenever Damian Lillard like, touched him and he like exploded. Like, that, all that. I'm over all that. That doesn't make him great. Not running back on defense, like complaining to the officials. None of uh, that makes him great at all. If anything, it's a detriment to his team. We can even argue that those stretches that we all make fun of where the public narrative gets so loud and so loud and so loud about the way he's playing that he eventually just goes, okay, I'm going to shoot it 11 times and I'm going to have 19 assists. Those games, he's doing anything but those things. I mean, it's straight-up detrimental to the Thunder because you can see it in the way opponents attack the Thunder. It's like in their scouting report. Russell's going to complain to the ref when he gets to the rim. If he misses, run. Like, run. It's going to be five-on-four. You saw that against Portland. I see that against every team the Thunder play. Like, it's something that you can predict, and that's what needs to change. It's not necessarily that Russell needs to stop shooting or stop doing this. Please play this way. All anyone's asking is, if you're going to complain to the officials, do it in a better way. Do it in between plays. Like do it like during time stoppages, excuse or excuse me, during timeouts. Try to try to negotiate with officials in that respect. If you do it right after you get tossed to the ground because you didn't get a foul call, guess what? It's five on four, and we saw one of the biggest plays of the series, um, and I believe was uh, game two, where Russell bulldozed to the rim didn't get the foul he actually did get fouled by Damian Lillard he hacked him across the the wrist didn't get the foul call and then is he's complaining to the ref and then the camera like you know shoots over to the left side of the floor Russell is out of camera shot because he's pissed off and Portland gives the ball back to Dame well Jeremy Grant has to then come over because Russell's not there to defend him Damian shoots the three makes it and Jeremy because he had to overly aggressively help on the um, off the weak side fouled him four point play yeah that's those are the types of things that i feel russell needs to get in check because i can live with the shooting i can live with that because he's speak for yourself on that one i can live with it as long as he doesn't give up just bullshit you know and and that type of play to me is just bullshit there's there's no apologies for it there's no excuse for that um 
if Russell thinks he has to shoot himself into a rhythm, fine. He's going to have the ball in his hands. You're not going to get rid of that. So I don't know how you fix it unless it just comes from him saying, you know what, after thinking about it, I need to stop shooting so many mid-range jumpers. But um, I don't know if that's going to change, but I think that that can change, just the bullshit plays. Well, I, mean, I guess that's my overall point, though, is the best stretches of his career is whenever he's over-adjusting to the narrative. He's going to come out, he's going to shoot 11 times, he's going to have 19 assists. Yeah. And and I can't, maybe I'm just gonna blatantly, sh- gonna blatantly better. <laughs> not remembering, but I don't feel like in those games he's a cyclone down the middle of the floor who's just totally out of control. In those games, he feels the opposite. Like he's totally under control because he's trying to prove a point mm-hmm. and he's emotionless in the fact that he's just going to play basketball and he's going to show you that he can do it. Can't though, Can't that just be who Russell Westbrook is all the time? Why does his emotion have to be the barometer for his talent? I just don't believe those are related. I think it's just, well, we have Russell Westbrook, so we have to accept the emotion. But I don't think the emotion makes him the talented player he is. Because that's been the narrative for 10 years. I just don't agree with it anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's the problem, the PR problem that I think the Thunder have. That's the root of it is there's a lot of chatter, a lot of thought around you know, social media around the NBA, even, I mean, we saw the report from Brian Windhorst on that, on his podcast earlier on the year where, um, Russell doesn't listen to any of Billy Donovan's sets or calls. He just runs whatever he wants. There's this thought that Russell runs the organization, that the players are running the team. And you see it from what this level that you're talking about, you see it from players saying Billy Donovan listens to his players. And when Schroeder said, you know, and Russell waving off Billy Donovan, yeah, Russell waving off during the 2020 game. Um, that's something that the Thunder have to address, and they're not going to say it to us in the media publicly. They're not going to say it for the fans. That's just something that they have to address, and it comes down to like just little minute details like this. Russell acknowledging through his play that 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 I can't get away with that anymore I, because it's an obvious detriment to this team. And when games are won, like yeah, the Thunder got beaten five, but these games came down to like one or two possessions, right? Um, well, those one or two possessions, if you look back and you count Russell complaining to the ref five times and three of those possessions, Portland scored and the Thunder lose by single digits, that that's unforgivable to me. So that's something that needs to be fixed and that needs to be addressed. And I asked Sam today if that's something that, um, Russell like needs, if that's something that needs to be developed and he danced around that as well. But, um, I think he kind of agreed that I mean I don't even I don't even know I don't, like it's so hard to like interpret what Sam is saying because he just talks and talks and talks at times but um I get the sense that they understand that something needs to be developed and they're not going to say change they're not going to say Russell stop doing that they're going to dress it up as he's making the strides to develop in that area if that makes sense yeah 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 uh so you know, Russell Westbrook, biggest wild card on this team. We'll have all summer to talk about uh, his internal growth, leadership, and all that stuff. But that's basically what Thunder fans have been talking about since the loss of Portland. A lot of that is falling on his shoulders. Another thing that we kind of touched at it, danced around it a little bit. We didn't really dive into it. Sam Presti mentioned Alex Sabrinas and the loss of Alex Sabrinas. He loves him some like Alex Sabrinas. Like six times. <laughs> like apparently that was the difference between them winning the title and losing in five to Portland. You know why, right? Wasn't Abrinas part of the Harden trade? He was? Yeah. He was that, a second round pick? Abrinas and Steven Adams are very important to uh, Sam Presti, which is why I never really give that much credence to like, oh, the Thunder should trade Steven Adams. Uh-uh. 
Like I, Sam understands what the James Harden trade has done to not only his reputation, but to the Thunder's future. Um, he's going to ride Steven Adams and Alex Sabrinas into the ground. And it sadly for Alex Sabrinas, he's already hit the ground, but I mean, I hope, I hope he can come back and play basketball. I just, whatever, whatever he's dealing with press, he didn't get into it as well today, whatever he's, he's dealing with. I hope that he's recovered or moved past it or is in the process of doing that. Sounds like he's, he's in good shape, but um, if he comes back, I anticipate it would be with the thunder. So um, yeah, Presty loves him some Alex. Yeah. And I mean, it all thunder fans out there who are wanting Alex to to come back. Uh, he, it would have to be a year removed from him leaving the team the first time. So yeah, he would be able to join a training camp. He won't be a free agent signed this up. He could be that with another team, but to join mm-hmm. the Thunder again, it'd be have have to be when he got waived, which was sometime in the middle of March. Yeah, and he could play. He could play basketball again, but I would imagine he, with whatever he's doing with, he might want to play back home in Europe. I don't know. Yeah, if, in Spain. I don't know like if the that. NBA is necessarily in his future, but if the NBA is in his future, I'm going to anticipate because his relationship with the team because of everybody else's relationship with him, that he would come back and play for the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, Storyline that jumped out at me, though, with that, is that he kept missing Alex Abrinas was out. That was a big reason why we struggled. I mean, just making Alex sound like he was, you know, LeBron James's younger son uh, <laughs> coming to help the Thunder. I'm just over and over and over. And the reason is, and he, he mentioned that repetitively. I mean, unless he was asked, did not mention the fact they didn't have Robertson all year at all. Unless he was asked about Robertson, that was not a reason for why the season took the turn it did. He said it was sad that obviously he didn't get back for the whole year. He mentioned how Robertson's attitude was incredible. But he just kept pointing to Alex as a reason why this team failed down the stretch over. And he was blaming himself because there wasn't a backup plan. Now, this is my biggest gripe with Sam Presti. It's The reason that the Alex Abrinas loss stood out so much to him is because this team doesn't have shooting. Now, to all Thunder fans, it's just, oh, this team doesn't have shooting. Sam was hoping Alex was going to be that guy. Um, so... Thunder fans, Sam Presti, generally coming to vaguely the same conclusion. This is another detriment to Sam Presti not seeing where the league is going and then being two years behind. Yeah. He traded for Kendrick Perkins, and you and I have talked about it, I think. you know, Andrew Bynum was in the Western Conference at that, that point. That was unfortunate. Absolutely. Yeah. But who was winning the title? Oh, yeah, Chris Bosh playing center. Yep. Come on. There it is. The Warriors are now going through their run where shooting is the most valuable asset you can have. And the Thunder continue to get long athletic guys hoping they can teach them to shoot. And now Jeremy Grant is a positive story, but Josh Hustis is a negative story. Like there's uh, You still got unknowns with Hamadou Diallo and Deontay Burton. Right. And yeah. so all of those guys are athletic guys, but we don't know if they're gonna pan out. And so then whenever shooting's not there, because Alex Brain says it's so glaring that Sam Presti again misinterpreted the league, valued the wrong thing, and brought in the wrong kind of people. I know he didn't say that, and he this was my philosophy, and it was flawed. But I think that's about as close as Sam Presti saying, you know what, me valuing athleticism and defense so much that I was willing to sacrifice shooting to the nth degree was wrong. And that, that was him vaguely apologizing for that, I felt like. Yeah, I mean... Because he didn't bring up Robertson at all. Like, how are you going to tell the story of the season about this is why we struggled and mention a guy who wasn't there for a month and a half, but not mention your starting two guard who missed the entire season (laughs) and was an all-defensive player when you're giving excuses for the season? And he didn't mention Paul George's injury at all. You know, that that was the interesting thing was, um, I I think, did he describe describe Andre's injury last year as the tipping point? Yes, for last year. He said there wasn't a tipping point this year. Last year, it was easy to see. Like, Andre goes down, the defense falls off, the Thunder, who were playing really well up until that point, slowly started to die, and then it bled into the postseason. I was happy he didn't say Paul George's injury 
um, was a tipping point because I thought going into like as Paul was playing in March and it was apparent he wasn't hundred percent. It's like, look, he's still out there. I hope or I don't, I'm not sitting here during exit interviews and I hear players, coaches and Sam say, you know, if, if Paul was hundred percent, then, you know, it could right. have been a diff- different story. It probably would have been a different story. I wish I could have seen hundred percent Paul George um, play against Portland because in game five, he was incredible. He was. Um, and it's a shame we didn't get to see it, but again, he was out there. So it, that's not an excuse. But he kept saying there was no tipping point this year. But like you said, he kept bringing Alex Abrinas up, and it's right. like, which isn't Alex Abrinas; it's shooting. Like he wasn't talking. It was if if it was anybody else who could shoot. It's just it wasn't it wasn't Alex. It was that Alex represented the shooting they needed on this team. Yeah, um, I just I, I there's a part of me that really respects what the Thunder have been able to do from an internal development standpoint because you mentioned it. Jeremy Grant's a really good story. Um, he led the, he led the team, uh, at 38, 39% from three. 39. Um, and it got to, it's to a point now where it's not, it's not gimmicky. I, when Jeremy Grant spots up in the corner, I expect that shot to fall because he shot it, um, from the corner, he shot it at a higher than league average. So he is a guy that you can depend on to shoot the three ball. I think moving forward, Terrence Ferguson is also very intriguing. Um, at, at, from December to February, he was shooting 41% on six attempts, which is great. He, you know, started off terrible, ended kind of slow um, in the regular season. So it balanced out to about 37, 36%, uh, which is good moving forward. Paul George, we know what he's capable of. And then you've got wild cards like um, whoever Markeith Morris's spot goes to, whether that be Patrick Patterson or somebody else that they add in the future. And Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook, who can go one for six, oh for seven, or they can go four of eight. You know, so you've got wild cards in those that respect. So the Thunder, you know, they bounce, they average out to about an average three point shooting team, which is that's really saying something considering where we were at the beginning of the year when they just had Alex and Paul. And I don't know, right. you know, so that that is true. But again, you're exactly right. It, it Presti, the way he's built this roster over the years, it's just incredibly thin and it's incredibly reliant on what is becoming an archaic thought process of okay we just need to have long athletic guys that can get up on the fast break and open floor cause turnovers it's like yeah but if you're going to take 43 point shots in a game which this team did a handful of times this year i would hope that you have guys that you have more than just two or three guys that shoot north of 35 percent right and that's something that needs to be addressed that's what i mean um, you can run it back all you want. You can you can bank on this team's going to be inspired and the development's just going to be there. Th- that's fine, but there's just too many uh, like on the surface problems, and every team's going to have problems. The Warriors, the Rockets, those teams have problems beneath the surface. They don't necessarily have problems that you could easily point to and say, "Man, if they just fix that, if they just plug that hole, they'd be unbeatable." The Thunder have on the surface things that you can point to if they just had some like two or three extra guys that could you could depend on shooting um then they would be a much better team you know he talked about alex he mentioned Wes matthews who went to indiana um a handful of times i guess i guess the thunder weren't really trying to get wayne ellington on the buyout market as Didn't well Didn't mention him by name no <laughs> but I, probably i wonder if he mentioned Wes matthews because it was pretty much confirmed that russell and paul like that was out in the public that they russell, tried to recruit him. that they tried to recruit him and that was from Wes Matthews who said that. So maybe that's why he said it. Um, but yeah, it it's very apparent what the Thunder have to do and whether or not Presti can get the guys in, um, um, on the roster to do it is one question. Is he just going to simply run it back? I mean, I hope not. 
I mean, if you're a Thunder fan, I hope not. Yeah, uh, Steven Adams is another guy who gets brought up a lot in like theoretical trade talks, um, rightfully or wrongly. Um, and he was asked, Sam Presti was asked today about Steven Adams, and Eric Korn's question was basically, every year you say Steven Adams improves something else in his game, and he's always working, and there's something he adds. He always gets a little bit better. What was that this year? Presti couldn't come up with a thing of what he thought Steven. He said he played really, really great at the start of the season. Yep. And if you look, because Presti kept saying we were an elite team for 70%, um, and then we were not good for 30 the 70s probably being a little generous, but he was saying Steven was the reason we were really good, and then when Steven's play tapered off, that's when we started tapering off, which I agree with. But Presti couldn't come up with a thing that he just really fell in love with this year that Steven had really added to his game. He did, however, mention at one point maybe Steven starts shooting threes, like halfway jokingly, halfway seriously. I couldn't tell if he was being serious or joking. Yeah. But Steven Adams, big part of the Thunder. Some people speculate about him being traded. I've played with that a little bit in a trade machine. I don't know where it goes. I, did, did, I don't not... know who wants a, a limited uh, uh, five who can't stretch the floor. Yeah, and so like, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot of teams that I can convince myself. Oh, that makes sense for them because they either have a center, or to your point, they would want a center who could shoot. So yep. I think Stevens on this team long term. But this is two years in a row though. We get about three quarters of the way through the season, and his play starts tapering off. Yeah, I mean, I asked Steven in his exit interview on Thursday about... But he's just the most polite guy ever. Yeah. He's the best. I, I asked him, like, do you feel that you need to take that next step in your offensive game to help the team? And he, of course, said, like, that's not my role right now. If they ask me to, I will. But, again, that's where it's kind of hard to be in the media because it's not my job to sit there and then... Reif, like just kind of reply to Steven and say, well, I think you should do this because it's very apparent that your lack of being able to stretch the floor hurts this team. Right. Um, your lack of being able to um, consistently guard quicker, speedy guards, and which is where the league is at now. All these top teams have speedy, undersized guards that can pull up from 40 feet. Your inability to do that is why you didn't play the last two fourth quarters in game four and game five. So it's apparent what you have to improve on it doesn't. It shouldn't necessarily come from your boss. Hey, Stephen, we need you to like get a fifteen footer, eighteen footer, and then start pulling up threes. Like you should just know that from playing the game. You should just know that from being on this team. It's right. if you can stretch the floor, Stephen. Russell and Paul are going to have more room to, to roam around, and we see it every season. The first twenty games, um, whoever is running point guard this year, a lot of those games were Dennis Schroeder with Stephen Adams because Russell was hurt. First 20 games, Russell and Steven, or Dennis and Steven, they've got that lob, that pick-and-roll lob game working beautifully. And then after those first 20 games, the opponents start packing the paint, and then the Thunder's offense starts to die. And luckily for them, they, this year, they were at that point, they were able to just shoot lights out from everybody. So that saved them. But um, again, Steven's inability to have versatility in his offensive game, it, it puts a cap and it puts a ceiling on this team's potential. And that's why you hear a lot of trade talk was um, concerning Steven Adams because he is a he's a great player and he is so vital to the Thunder success. He does so much on the defensive end, and in my opinion, he probably does a little too much. Oh yeah, like he like the Thunder are too reliant on him to do too many things. Right, and it wears on his body. It wears on his mind. You can see it. Um, but if he is never going to be even try to romanticize the thought himself personally about maybe I should start taking some shots to open up the floor. 
this team's going to have a cap on it because it's just in addition to not having a lot of wing help offensively. I mean, your starting center who's very important to you. If somebody who's very, that important to you is one-sided, it's it's not going to bode well the deeper you get into a regular season. Right. All right. Um, we kind of talked about Sam Presti and all the exit interviews because we can, and we don't want to make this two hours <laughs> uh, of a breakdown here because we'll have more in the summer. We'll have more content coming as oh, well. Yeah. Um, so we can get in just about anything and everything. Direction of the team. Supposedly it's running it back. Is there anything that stands out to you like – Man, if they could just go out and get a player like X, if they could just, if Jeremy Grant could just get his wingspan to eight feet, then he could start dunking it. Like, what is what is the biggest key for you this offseason, whether that's internally, externally, or something in between? Um, I'll, I'll just say this right off the bat: I haven't given myself a chance to like look and prognosticate, um, like just names, like free agent names, trades. Like 80% of the league is a free agent this year. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. Um, So the Thunder can have their opportunities, I guess. Um, I've heard Seth Curry mentioned. That's fans dreaming that that's fans dreaming, but I don't think Seth Curry's that good. He's, he doesn't fix the Thunder's problem. He can come and be like a nice Did did Portland's, did Portland's bench wow anybody in this series? The, the Thunder lost because Dame and CJ and to an extent, Ennis Canner, um, whether or not that was the Thunder's fault for not exposing him. Um, but those two, and maybe Canner involved three guys, outplayed the Thunder's two or three guys. That's why they lost. Um, but in terms of internal development, I think we're probably going to see more Jeremy Grant at the five because Steven cannot stretch the floor. Um, so in that respect, Jeremy needs to get big. I don't I don't want to just sit here and say he needs to work out and get bigger but he needs to find out ways to combat bigger, stronger, more physical guys because he struggles even at the power forward spot when he plays bigger, more old school type of power forwards. Right. Like your, your Derek favors, your Paul Millsaps, Julius Randles. Those guys always have field days against Jeremy just because he just does not have the body to contend with them. Now he, he can get them out on the wing and outplay them from that respect, but it kind of counterbalances what he does offensively, defensively. So if they're going to put him at the five more, which the Thunder had success with, you can't do it against everybody. And he needs to develop in that respect. So just from a physicality standpoint, um, obviously you want Paul George to be healthy. If he can play at that MVP level, um, perhaps the Thunder win north of 50 games. And if he doesn't get hurt, Um, Russell, we all kind of, we already talked about what he needs to improve on. So I don't want to sit here and rant about it for another 10 minutes, but um, if Schroeder comes back, um, stop shooting threes, dude, unless you just have it, um, pull up threes, especially the, the biggest, I think the, the most vital thing it's Terrence. I wrote about it for the series or when the, right before the series started, if the thunder win this series, it's going to be because Terrence Ferguson had a good showing. He did not have a good showing. He had one good game offensively. He had some okay moments defensively, but CJ cooked him. Um, and as a result, the Thunder got beaten five. Um, it's not all Terrence Ferguson's fault, but if he doesn't a take shots, B hit them. And then if he can't defend without fouling, what do the Thunder do? Like you can't rely on Paul to do everything on both sides of the floor, scoring and defense. So Terrence has to not only get his shooting down consistently, obviously that's the big thing, but we talked about before we went on Chisholm. Um, he's got to develop the ability to put the ball on the floor and drive with purpose because whenever he would put the ball on the floor in the postseason, it was an adventure and it never had a good ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he, he has to develop the ability to put the ball on the floor. We asked him if he was going to go to summer league um, this season, and he was optimistic about it, but he wasn't 100% sure. And I asked him if it would if he does go to summer league, is it going to be similar to what he did last year where the Thunder had him just play point guard to basically force him to learn how to do it, um, to um, dribble and, and play make and create. And he said, yeah, that that's probably the main goal. Um, it, it's possible. Buddy Heald learned how to do it. Buddy Heald coming out of college at OU, that, that was my big weakness for him was he cannot dribble. If he has to put the ball in the floor, he can pump fake and sidestep and shoot a three. But if he has to pump fake and run to the rim, if that big comes over to him, he always backs up. He, he doesn't have a move. Right. He doesn't have a second move. But in his third year, he has developed moves. He has developed way creative ways to um, get the ball off screens and shoot from wide open spots. And he became one of the best guys shooting in the league. So it, there is a path for Terrence that he can cre- um, develop that part of his game. If he can do that, the Thunder are sitting pretty. And this is, you know, again, we're not even talking about guys that they could potentially add. Because if you potentially add, I guess, Presti's dream of a, like a Wes Matthews type, that along with a Terrence Ferguson who's developed his offensive game, you've got you got yourself a pretty nice squad. Right. Like, despite all the run it back jokes. <laughs> they've got they've got things that they can work with. They just their margin for error is just it's shot right now. Yeah. Um so Thunder starting five, County Robertson instead of Ferguson, all back next year under contract. No worries there. Yep. Dennis Smith, uh, Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. Jr. is going to be in New York. <laughs> He's going to help the shooting. <laughs> he, yeah. uh, Dennis Schroeder is back next year if they want him back. Patrick Patterson more than likely back if they want him back. Terrence Ferguson now off the bench back if they want him back. And then Diallo, Burton, and Abdul Nader. they got 11 guys who are back if they choose to have them. That's positive. Here would be my step that they need to take. Everyone that's not in the starting lineup, Outside of maybe Schroeder, because I actually agree with you. I like Schroeder on this team a lot. I know he gets a lot of flack, uh, but I like Schroeder on this team a lot. Can they find their version? And I'm not saying this guy specific. Can they find their version of Terrence Ross? Can they find their version of Lou Williams? Can they find their version? (laughs) Not Lou Williams. But can they find their guy who comes off the bench and can just freaking score? Like, And I'm not saying score 30. I'm not saying drop 25 pieces constantly. But a guy who can dribble and get his own shot. Can they find... They're 2016 Dion Waiters. Can they yeah. find that guy? And he doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be Lou Williams, which is the best case scenario. It doesn't have to be Terrence Ferguson, which is like 1B, best case scenario. Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross. Yeah. Terrence Ferguson is one not of the, One guy. of those Terrences. Can they find a guy who can initiate offense off the bench consistently? And I, I, I just think Thunder fans are obsessed with the shooting because it's a glaring issue. Yeah. But what they can't see is how clogged this offense gets sometimes. Whenever Paul George isn't just feeling it, and I'm I'm leaving Russell Westbrook out of that sentence intentionally. <laughs> if Paul George just isn't feeling it, this team just can't get it going. Can they find a guy off the bench who can create offense? Yeah, um, I mean that's that's been my biggest gripe with this organization since the beginning is they're just too reliant on one guy to do everything. So, like you said, um, if Dennis Schroeder isn't going to have a good night then the bench probably doesn't score a lot of points right um if dennis Schroeder has to start because russell westbrook is out then the bench probably isn't going to score a lot of points they, Any they, points. No they points. don't have they just don't have enough versatile they've got versatile defenders they got versatile athletes all is a versatile defender burton's yeah. a versatile defender yeah they just don't have enough they don't have enough versatility from the scoring end but maybe 
you know, maybe if I covered the, um, I don't know, the L.A. Clippers or maybe if, not the Clippers. They've got versatile scores all over the place. <laughs> That's a bad example. If Maybe if I covered the, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia. I mean, they're pretty thin outside of their starting five. Right. Um, maybe if I covered them for 82, 87 games, I would, I would feel, you know, they need to fix scoring on their second end, like on, on their uh, bench, from their bench unit. But it's like... Maybe every team has that problem, right. so it's not necessarily easy to fix. But it's it's glaring to see that um, they're too reliant on Schroeder to do X, Y, and Z in terms of scoring for the bench. Uh, they were too reliant with James Harden. They were too reliant with uh, Victor Oladipo to be a second scorer. They were too reliant on Deion Waiters, even though he had some success, but that team had Kevin Durant on it and Serge Ibaka. Um, yeah, it... I don't, like a part of me just wonders like is this easier said than done and it's just kind of silly to talk about you know like finding another guy that can put the ball on the floor defend and shoot like three d three and d's who can shoot oh i don't, can, I don't even think can... it needs to be a three and d yeah because i mean think about danny second green second units like i'm not worried about my second unit being a bunch of lockdown defenders yeah well i mean think about danny green like if danny green was on the thunder good shooter good defender but when he has to put the ball on the can't floor, his own shot. yeah, he can't create his That's own shot. So I don't so, like that guy. So you're 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 just adding to the problem of too many stationary guys who don't add anything. Right. Yeah. I don't want I don't want a three and D guy. But uh, I think it's gonna wrap it up for us. I think we got all the way around. Anything yeah. we're forgetting? Oh, I don't know. Nothing. Jerry Ramsey's calling me. So shout out to Jerry. I'll, I'll call you back, Jerry. If you're gonna listen to this later. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Well. I think it's gonna do it for us. We'll have more in the summer. We'll yeah, have a lot we'll, of opportunities to take questions. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot to cover still. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some. I've got you some, and I can sit here till I have to go on air at six o'clock. Yeah. and just keep talking about this team. I've got some stuff I'm working on, and then of course we'll have the draft in June. Um, Pressy will talk to us then. Um, the summer league, which will be very intriguing if Terrence plays. Um, Diallo should be there as well. Um, whoever the Thunder draft, of course, as well, should be there. And then it seems like. A few weeks after the draft ends, there's free agency, and then a month after that, preseason. So there's, right. we're not going to be we're not going to be dead. days a year the, now. The Thunder are dead right now, but we're not. So indeed. we'll be good. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us live from the new studio of my house. It's so, badass. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, make sure you uh, follow us both on Twitter at Chisholm Holland at Brady Does Sports. Uh, we'll be pumping you full of content all summer, um, as well as give the franchise OK a follow and the franchiseok.com. Make sure you save that in your bookmarks tab on your web browser. Subscribe to this podcast as well. Subscribe to this podcast as well. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us here at the OKC82 Podcast. See you sometime next week. See ya.